Boo Carter commits to the University of Tennessee, a longtime target, finally jumps in the boat. What could this mean for the class of 2024? And Tennessee's recruiting under Josh Heupel overall. That's a whole lot more. It's your Monday Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to it. This is your Monday edition of Locked On Vols. Appreciate you guys being here. It's brought to you in part by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. You can make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On to go ahead and get started today. All right, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, I am on the road again covering Tennessee in the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I think this might be my best road setup yet. I found the ice tray to prop up my laptop, so I've got a little elevation here. So I'm looking eye to eye to you. You're not looking up at my uh, at my face from below. And um, my microphone seems to be working out all right. I've got the background. So I'm pretty pumped up about this unique setup. So hopefully we'll get to do the entire week's worth of shows here this week uh, from Omaha. Appreciate you guys subscribing, as always, Locked On Balls on the YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcasts. I'll do my best to do a little Twitter Tuesday action for you everydayers. If you guys have any Twitter Tuesday uh, it's a wild week. As long as I'm on the road, it's going to be a wild week, so I'll do my best to get in, uh, all that stuff there. But as always, making Lockdown Balls your first listen wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, all that good stuff. All right, so on today's show, as you can see from the right-hand panel, we're going to go over the Boo Carter commitment for Tennessee. What's this mean moving forward, and where does this class stand now? Uh, recruiting overall from the weekend, a lot of high-caliber targets on campus for 12 official visitors this past weekend. How did Tennessee fare? And then uh, lastly, we'll discuss Tennessee's loss to LSU in the College World Series on Saturday and uh, what's in store for Tennessee against Stanford in an elimination game here in Omaha. Tennessee baseball updates from the College World Series. So Boo Carter jumps into the boat. What's this mean for Tennessee? Well, it is the 12th overall commit for the class of 2024. Tennessee now is at 14th in the country. There was a big day's uh, in terms of recruiting, it was a big recruiting weekend. Florida notably uh, got a lot of or got three recruits on Saturday, I believe. So there was been some movement there. But the University of Tennessee sits at 14th in the land uh, for this class of 2024. And, of course, still headlined by uh, four-star quarterback Jake Merklinger, who's kind of the leader of the class, four-star tight end. Um, Jonathan Eccles, of course, Caleb Beasley is one of those guys that committed to the Tennessee a long time ago. And he was in town this past weekend. And we'll go ahead and get you know more on that here in just a moment. But as far as Boo Carter and, and kind of what this means for uh, the University of Tennessee, a longtime target, if you will, uh, from the University of Tennessee. Played a number of different um, number of different high schools down in the Chattanooga area. He's going to attend Bradley Central uh, this fall. But again, he's kind of hopscotched around a little bit. Uh, but he's a really, really talented athlete, okay? He is four-star prospect, class of 2024. Um, he is, uh, you know, a safety defensive back, but of course he can play offense as well. He's the number two athlete uh, rated by on three in the class or in, in the state of Tennessee. Uh, sixth overall in terms of the industry rankings for, per his uh, position, which is athlete. 195th overall is where he ranks in the on three industry rankings. On three has him as the 90th overall, or excuse me, the 247th overall prospect, uh, eighth player from the state of Tennessee, and fifth or eighth at his position, fifth overall player from. Of the state of Tennessee. He's an athlete, all right? Five foot ten, 180 pounds. 
Again, Chattanooga area going to attend Bradley Central High School this fall. And again, he wanted to commit to Tennessee in October. I thought about doing it in December. But wanted to slow his roll a little bit, take some time, do the due diligence. Uh, He's a kid that loves the recruiting process, and uh, and that's okay. And he took his visits, and he flirted on social media and all that, but um, came into town last week for the University of Tennessee and went ahead and committed to uh, Tennessee at at, uh, a big show event up there in New York City. Saturday night. So, um, you know, what he said about Tennessee, this is DevallQuest.com, uh, you know, shortly before his commitment on Saturday, said these fans are crazy here. Uh, they treat me like family every time I go up there. It's close to home. It's an easy trip for my family and friends that are down here in Chattanooga, and that is important to me. I knew if I were to go there, I would come in with great relationships and players that have already uh, there and who have left the program and other players who are coming in too. We're going to try to win a natty. My relationship with the coaching staff has been very tight, and we have gotten even closer throughout this um, the scavenger hunt. He's talking about the uh, the 865 live event that took place a couple of weeks ago. So, again, he, he's a guy that you know, was heavily recruited by Willie Martinez and Tim Banks. They like him in the defensive backfield. This is what he has said about those coaches. Uh, quote, me and Coach Nez, Willie Martinez, have a great relationship because he recruited me uh, from the jump. But further on in the process, I started talking with Coach Tim Banks a little bit more. He was very important in the factor of my recruitment. Both of them, really, without the other, we wouldn't have uh, ha- we would not have as tight of a relationship as we are right now. We have great relationships, and I am ready to play for them. That is what Boo Carter uh, told VolQuest upon his commitment to the University of Tennessee about defensive backs coach Willie Martinez and defensive coordinator uh, Tim Banks. So. Uh, again, he's a guy that chose Tennessee over Michigan primarily. Of course, Colorado was in that conversation as well. Um, he, he announced his commitment in New York City at the 4040 Club. And uh, this is what on three director of scouting and rankings Charles Power has to say about Tennessee's new commit, Boo Carter. I think when you watch uh, the, the variety of ways that he impacts the game, it bodes well for his overall playmaking ability as a safety. Uh, when you're evaluating safeties, you normally see some of the players that end up being the best in college football that end up in high school draft pick or uh, end up as high draft picks, uh, having two-way playmaking ability at the high school level. And, of course, that is exactly what Boo Carter brings to the table. He's a great guy. He's physical, uh, isn't afraid to throw his body around. He's very active on defense. He has good instincts and coverage, and it's been a standout on the seven-on-seven circuits. The reps there won't have him swimming, uh, making his transition like some others would. Uh, it's nice win for Tennessee in recruiting as they have made recruiting the state a priority. I think he is also projects well on special teams at the next level. So this is a big one for Tennessee in terms of getting Boo Carter. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm struggling to, um, you know, my, my, my computer's a little bit far away from me. And ever since I turned 30, I can't see a lick. Now I've always been, gosh, I've always, I've always not been able to see out of my right eye. And for so many years, I just didn't care about it and didn't wear glasses or contacts or anything. And uh, I don't have my glasses nearby because the light reflects in the glasses. So I <laughs> struggle bus trying to read there with the computer far away. Hello, 30 years old. Hello, getting old and uh, very depressing, right? But uh, again, w- when you talk about Josh Heupel and wanting to close the state borders and wanting to recruit the state of Tennessee very, very well, uh, Boo Carter in this class is a name that always comes up. He's a name that others flock to. You know, I talked to Austin Price right here on this show. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and I said, who's that guy in the class, or maybe he's not in the class yet, uh, that could really kind of be the, st- the, the straw that stirs the drink. 
uh, that would be a leader in this class that people want to come and play with. And he mentioned Boo Carter, and Boo Carter again wasn't even a commit at that point in time. And so I think that is that's big, you know, getting him in here in this class to kind of lead that in-state charge. So uh, it's huge. And, and again, he becomes the 12th overall commit for the University of Tennessee, who ranks 14th in the nation in terms of the uh, the on three industry rankings. And he's a guy that can play wide receiver. He can play running back. He can play cornerback safety. I think his position at Tennessee, I think he could be a really, really good nickelback, right? Uh, that star position. But I think his future is at the next level, at least, is in the defensive backfield. And I think that's what Tennessee has liked from the start. You know, they recruited him from the get-go as a defensive back. Um, he came into camp, and I remember uh, last summer, um, it was, you know, during June, he came in camp, and I talked to him, and he was running some routes and everything, playing some wide receiver. And he was like, they like my playmaking ability on offense but they love me on defense. They like me on defense. So where other programs were maybe talking about, hey, you can kind of come in here and be a two-way player. Hey, you know, we like you on offense, but, you know, like, you know, kind of sugarcoating a little bit. Tennessee from the from the get-go was like, hey, you're going to be a defensive back if you come here. And ultimately, it was okay with him, and he chose to come to Tennessee knowing that he's going to play safety and, and nickelback. So a uh, big for Tennessee. What could this mean in relation to some of these other guys like Daniel Cahoon, Edwin Spillman, we'll talk about here, uh, in the next segment, you know, he mentioned both of those guys um, during his uh, exit interview with VolQuest from the 865 Live a couple weeks ago. Uh, can there be other guys that want to flock to him from the state of Tennessee? And how big of an impact will this be? We'll find out. But I think this is a huge get for Tennessee in terms of a playmaker, in terms of a guy that can make plays with the ball in his hands, but also really, really good feet, really, really good athleticism, a sure tackler, and a guy that can play outside the box. That is Boo Carter. And hopefully this will kick off some momentum for Tennessee heading into the last week of June and into July when some more commitments should be rolling in. This is a big get for Tennessee, no doubts about it. Um, say what you want about Josh Heupel and, and some of his misses in terms of recruiting since he's been here at Tennessee. Reminder, you're not going to get them all. But in my opinion, this one would have looked bad if you didn't get it. Uh, but ultimately, Boo Carter jumps in the boat and he is a part of the class of 2024 for the University of Tennessee. All right, what about some other guys who could join him coming up? A huge recruiting weekend for the University of Tennessee on campus. And who, who were some of those guys here? What were they saying? And uh, what could this mean for, again, the weeks to come? More Tennessee recruiting talk when we return right here on Locked On Vols. Hey, I want to remind you guys again, a proud sponsor of this show, FanDuel Sportsbook. Baseball season, it is in full swing, and there's no better place to get in on all the action that over at FanDuel, it's America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. It's truly too good to be true. It's what it feels like. Uh, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. Uh, guys, you guys know I'm a huge baseball fan. I love football. I played football. You know, that that is my past. That is my passion, but I also have a passion for baseball and, you know, coming up, getting into this industry as a play-by-play -play broadcaster uh, for baseball and color commentator for, for football. You know, I've been around the sport a long time, played the sport for a long time. I'm covering the sport right now in Omaha, Nebraska for the College World Series, and I watch Major League Baseball every single night. I watch those Atlanta Braves, and there's so many different ways that you can add some coin to your pocket, run lines. Um, you know, all that type of stuff, futures, you know, MVPs, Ronald Acuna Jr.'s ahead of the pack, all-star games coming up. You can do a whole lot, plus that no-sweat first bet. 
over at FanDuel Sportsbook on Major League Baseball. Don't miss your chance at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of official partner of Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, guys, welcome back into your Monday edition of Locked On Vols. Appreciate you guys always being here and you everydayers for coming back for some more. Uh, one more note on Boo Carter that I forgot to mention in, in segment number one. Again, uh, awesome, awesome commitment coverage and recruiting coverage overall at VolQuest.com from Awesome Price, Matt Ray, Brent Hubs. Um, doing an awesome, awesome job. Uh, my coworkers, of course, so I'm going to brag on them. But uh, this was another one of the quotes that he gave VolQuest uh, at the time of his commitment. Um, he said... I can't really find it. Where did it go? Anyway, it was basically just saying, um, you know, he loved how he would be used at the University of Tennessee and kind of seeing what it would look like in the defense. And so uh, he mentioned that to VolQuest upon, you know, his commitment. I think that's a big deal as well. Having these guys kind of see how they'd be used. And I know that Caleb Beasley mentioned something like that as well. But seeing kind of what it looks like, right? It's it's good to good, good to, you know, have the talk but also sit down, watch the film, point out somebody on that defense and say, okay, this is kind of your role. This is what you're going to be doing, and this is how we can expand on this to make it even better. I think that goes a long way uh, with kids who are trying to make one of the biggest decisions in their life. So who were some of these other guys who were on campus for official visitors? Well, we're not going to go over them all. We went over a lot of them on Friday and previewing this weekend uh, with Matt Ray. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna mention a, a couple of them here. Of course, the highlights, uh, the commitment from Boo Carter that came at about eight o'clock on Saturday night. That was huge. But as official visits and this weekend started wrapping up on Sunday morning, Volquist had a chance to talk with a lot of these guys. Let's start with Caleb Beasley. The biggest thing we got from Caleb Beasley, um, and he's been a longtime commit for the University of Tennessee. He committed to Tennessee back in the fall. But as I mentioned with Matt last week, and as I've talked before, he's been a guy that's like, yeah, I'm committed. Yeah, I want to be a leader in this class. Yet he's been signing up to take visits elsewhere. He's been Again, enjoying the process. And there's nothing wrong with that. You only get one chance to do this. Well, now you can get two, maybe, if you decide to transfer away with a transfer portal. But it's an experience you'll never get back. So it's not like I'm hating on the kids for doing this. But for Caleb Beasley, it's like, okay, you can't be a leader in this class and, and talk that talk. You got to walk it. And he kept on you know, signing up for trips to Notre Dame and Oklahoma and all this type of stuff. So the biggest thing from Caleb Beasley coming out of this weekend was he said he's shutting it down. Quote, Deval Quest. I'm not taking any more visits. I think this is my only one. This weekend, I had a great time. It was really, really good for me. He goes on. Here's home. Talking about Knoxville. I'm going to have all the connections I need here, especially being an in-state guy that's really, really big, and I know everyone that goes here. Also, his cousin is Aaron Beasley. They won't get to play together, but still, uh, that's a big-time connection there. So, uh, for Caleb Beasley, who's one of the better you know players in the country, one of the top defensive backs, one of the best players in the state of Tennessee, been committed to Tennessee for months, and, and you never thought it was in jeopardy, but it's still kind of like, all right, well, why are you taking all these visits? The biggest thing from Caleb Beasley this weekend was saying, hey, I'm shutting her down. I'm a Tennessee volunteer, and that's that. So I thought that was 
very noteworthy. And I thought that was big coming out of the weekend for uh, Caleb Beasley. What about one of his teammates over at Lipscomb Academy? All right, that is Edwin Spillman. Edwin Spillman, another long. When we talk about this class of 2024, we've been talking about these guys, you know, for a long time. Like the class of 2022 was a big in-state class, not for Tennessee because of all the transition, but there was a lot of good prospects. Class of 23 was okay. 24 is really, really talented as well. So we've been talking about these guys for years, it feels like, and you can't mention Boo Carter without mentioning, you know, Caleb Beasley, and you especially can't mention Caleb Beasley without mentioning Edwin Spillman, his teammate, Edwin Spillman, Marcus Gorey, you know, those types of guys. And, um, you know, Edwin Spillman was back on campus. His brother, a reminder, Nate Spillman, uh, in the class of 2023. So you would think that it is a slam dunk. You would think that Tennessee is in a great position here, and that's great. But he doesn't want hey, – this is his time, right? He wants to write his own chapters, and, and I get that. That's fine. And so he's been very kind of held off. Like, it's not a slam dunk in Tennessee. I'm going to go through my dual diligence, my process, and all that. But Edwin Spillman, he was back on campus this weekend. He updated his timeline saying that he's going to finish out this month of uh, June official visits, and then he's going to make a decision in July. Um, He's going to have a Georgia official visit next weekend, but what it's coming down to right now, and this is what he said leaving campus this weekend, it's Tennessee or Ohio State. So those are the two front runners, which is big. Again, he's visiting um, Georgia next weekend. He's already been to Florida State and Ohio State. Was it Tennessee this weekend? And we'll wrap things up with Georgia next weekend. But for Evelyn Spillman, Tennessee or Georgia, and again, I'm not trying to ruin the kid's moment, of course, and I'm, I'm, you know, you know, letting letting the the kid have his time and all that because that's important. But uh, Tennessee's still in the driver's seat here, and again, your brother is here, and those two guys are close. And I really do believe, I still believe, I thought this this entire time that Edwin Spillman is going to be a University of Tennessee volunteer. Just a matter of when he wants to commit. So I think this weekend was good. He did say the two front runners, Tennessee and Ohio State. So that was good to see. Uh, maybe the hot, the the headliner this weekend, if you will, uh, for Tennessee. And, and we talked about him a lot on Friday with Matt. And of course, I'm not going to be able to talk about a lot of these guys uh, simply because we only have one segment to, to cover it. Maybe more tomorrow's show. But five star defensive lineman Williams Winery, okay, Missouri guy. Um, he's heavily involved with Oklahoma, heavily involved with Tennessee. Those are the two front runners there. Uh, Missouri is in that conversation, of course, because it's the home state. George is in that conversation. He's going to actually go on official visit next weekend to uh, Missouri, I do believe. But uh, he pretty much said that uh, his timeline is going to still be in September. There's a final official visit to Oregon scheduled for September. A lot of us in the industry are kind of wondering, is he going to make that official visit? Do you think he'll make it that far? Because, again, this is a Tennessee-Oklahoma battle, and so I don't think Oregon really has anything to do with it. But if he stays on his timeline, it's going to be in September after an, a later official visit to Oregon. But right now it's Tennessee and Oklahoma. He'll be in Missouri next weekend. But, you know, said he had a really good time, you know, coming out of Tennessee, being here this weekend, VolQuest.com. He said, quote, really what stood out to me is something I could see myself doing, just coming in, being an impact to the team. They see me as uh, they see me playing the whole defensive line, moving around and all that. I can put everything on tape that way. And again, he's kind of an inside technique, right? He's a big guy. Um, let's see here. I'll get his measurables. He is a big guy, a defensive lineman, six foot six, 260 pounds. So he's an inside technique, but his athleticism allows him to play out on the edge and potentially a Leo position in certain spots, maybe pass rushing or whatever. And um, he was asked about that. And he said, most definitely when asked about the appeal of playing on the outside, moving around and all that, flying around, making plays, putting that on tape is good. And he spent a whole lot of time with Mike Eckler this weekend. 
said, I got to pick their brains. They keep it real with me. Um, talking about spending time with coaches and players. Uh, I talked with Shandavion Bradley, who hosted him. Of course, Shandavion Bradley is also a Missouri guy and some other guys, but mostly Shandavion Bradley. Um, he had just went through the process. As he was able to talk to me about how uh, the adjustments you know, coming in and all that was if I were to choose Tennessee. So five-star, number one defensive player, according to on three. I think he's ranked the number two player overall in this class. Williams, um, uh, Waneri, and um, really, really good player. It's Tennessee and Oklahoma right now, but we'll see if he eventually makes that trip to Oregon in September. And, of course, he'll be at Missouri next week, but I really don't think Missouri's a player in that one. And the last one I want to highlight that was here this weekend, and, again, there was a lot of other really good guys. Jake Merklinger was here. Um, you know, uh, Franklin was here. There's a lot of good players that were here. But I want to talk about Daniel Calhoun just for a minute. Uh, Tennessee's already got some commits on the offensive line, which is really, really good. Uh, they want to take – a lot of guys on the offensive line in this class because uh, they're going to be losing a lot, to be completely frank, you know, after this season. And Daniel Calhoun is a guy that they um, have coveted for a long time, the Georgia native, and they got him up here for his official visit this weekend. And uh, it seems like he had a good time. Quote, I've been up here so many times. Uh, really, I was trying to build relationships with the players. I spent most of the time with them than I have ever before. Um, there's been a whole lot of buzz around Georgia and Alabama with his recruitment, but Sounds like Tennessee did make a move. You know, ask about that. He said, most definitely. Uh, there was probably, this is probably one of the best visits I've ever been on. It was really good. We went on the lake, hung out on the boat. It was a whole lot of fun. Tennessee is up there for me. I probably can't rank the schools right now, uh, but they were up there for me for sure. And then one other note on uh, Daniel Calhoun, the talented offensive tackle, four-star, is he got to spend a whole lot of time with Darnell Wright, former Tennessee offensive tackle, who, of course, was just selected 10th overall in the uh, NFL draft. And I uh, had a lot of good things to say about that. And why wouldn't you, right? He said, I spent time with him, which was good. He said, to come to Tennessee, he said, the coach LRB was the best coach and this place was real. And that's, uh, wow, what a, what an endorsement there from uh, for Tennessee from Darnell Wright. Again, a guy that just went 10th overall in the NFL draft, the guy that came in, developed. And Glenn LRB, who I'm not going to lie to you, has not had a great track record in terms of recruiting to get that type of stamp of approval from Darnell Wright, who was developed and drafted and now rich, mostly because of, uh, I don't want to say mostly because Darnell Wright had a lot to do with it, but uh, partially at least because of Glenn Ellerby, that's huge. And so it's funny, I was leaving for Nebraska for Omaha Saturday morning. I got really lucky. It was expensive, but I got really lucky, uh, pretty quick you know, flights from Knoxville to Chicago, Chicago to Nebraska, to Omaha. It only took about five hours in total, which was great, including layovers. Probably not going to have that much luck coming back. I'm going to be real with you guys. And that reminds me, um, I'll do a podcast tomorrow, but when, whatever day I'm traveling home, whenever that is, hopefully it'll be next week, right? If Tennessee keeps winning, uh, very real chance. I'm probably not going to do a show that next day, but I'll communicate with you guys. You can always follow me at underscore Kaner and at Lockdown Balls in the community tab on YouTube. I will let you guys know, you know, what day I plan on not doing a show due to travel. But anyway, we'll get to that later. Um, but I was in the airport in McGee Tyson, and I was sitting there, and I, um, I was getting a coffee before I got on the plane, and and it's all darn out right. You know, he was, I was flying to Chicago for my to, to get a connector, and he was getting off the plane I was about to get on, and he just strolled through McGee Tyson, went over there to the Starbucks, got him something, then then left, and I kind of thought to myself, I was like, I bet he's coming back to 
you know, come around, spend time with his friends and everything, go back to wherever place he, you know, had here. I would assume he had an apartment or something. And I was like, I wonder if he'll pop in and spend some time with those official visitors this weekend. And sure enough, that's exactly what he did. So uh, in terms of Daniel Calhoun, huge that he got to spend time with Darnell Wright. I think that that could go an awfully long way. Okay, we got a final segment left here on this Monday edition of Lockdown Balls. Wasn't the outcome that you wanted Saturday night for the Tennessee baseball team, but you're still alive. An elimination game later today against Stanford. Who was the Cardinal, and what are some other updates from Tennessee here at the College World Series? That and a whole lot more coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. All right, guys, we got a final segment here on Monday's show at underscore Kaner at Locked On Balls. As you can tell, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm in a hotel room again. Very, very proud of my road setup this week. Hopefully, we'll get to do the show a couple more times from this setup. But uh, nonetheless, we'll see. Um, Tennessee's in the College World Series, second time in three years, uh, sixth time overall. But unfortunately, the loss to LSU on Saturday makes it six straight losses for the University of Tennessee in the College World Series dating back to 2001, okay? Um, you guys have heard me say this a million times. It is, especially if you listen to my work at VolQuest and you know on, on some of the other things I do, it is so incredibly difficult to get to Omaha. Um, I think it's one of the hardest things in all of sports to do. I mean, the NBA playoffs last about like six months, right? And I think that's pretty difficult because you have so many series and all that. Um, I think getting to Omaha is so hard, especially if you're in the SEC because of just the stretch you go through in the regular season. And then you go to Hoover and then you go to regional setup and then you go to super regional setup, which is a different setup. And then you go to Omaha, which combines the two. It is so incredibly difficult just to get to Omaha yet win the whole damn thing. Right. Um, so it's tough. Um, you like for, obviously you like to win on Saturday if you're Tennessee, obviously you don't like having this quote unquote losing streak in Omaha, but the fact that you're getting to Omaha, again, it just shows where this program is under Tony Vitello. Can't say enough, but uh, Saturday was tough. It, it, you know, someone put on the message board over on the GQ at VolQuest.com, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, it is what it is, right? Um, you you went up against the best pitcher on the planet right now at this level, and that's Paul Skeens, and he was great. Uh, he allowed he ended up allowing one run, or actually two runs. He got credit. He got a charge for after he left the game. Uh, seven innings and two thirds, gave up five hits. Um, he struck out 12. He walked one. And for the most part of the night, he, you know, Tennessee just couldn't hit him. Uh, they had a good approach to him in the first inning, made him work a little bit. I think he ended up with like 23, 24 pitches in that first inning. Um, he struck out the side in the second inning, but Blake Burke, who was down 0-2, battled back, striking out on a full count pitch, but, you know, really kind of saved, right? You know, made him work a little bit because there was two quick outs. I want to I say five pitches for the first two batters. Um, he had, I want to say he had a, he tied a strikeout and at least – all but two innings that he pitched. Um, he retired, you know, five, six in, in a row at one point in time. Uh, up until the leadoff double from Christian Scott in the eighth inning, uh, Tennessee had three men on base but couldn't move past first base. Uh, Hunter Inslee had two singles, and I, I think it was Griffin Merritt had a single, but nobody can move past first base against Paul Skeens. He, he was just good. I mean, and again, this is newsflash. He's, he's been the greatest pitcher you know, th- this entire season. So he was really good, but I-, I thought Tennessee worked and and finally got him out of the ball game in the eighth inning when Tennessee was threatening to score some runs. It was Maui Ahuna's RBI single up the middle uh, that eventually got him out, right? And Tennessee was on the board avoiding a shutout. At that point in time, it was 5-1. to one. And then as soon as he leaves the game, they put in another pitcher and Hunter Inslee goes yard, a little two-run shot. And at that point in time, Tennessee was within two runs. 
Uh, Jared Dickey brought uh, Jared Dickey beat out an infield single, like down an infield single. The tying run was at the plate for the University of Tennessee and Christian Moore. And sure, that strike zone, they were squeezing them. Uh, I can tell you this, Tennessee was not happy with the strike zone whatsoever after the game and conversations I've had and, and off-the-record conversations right outside the dugout right after the game. Um, not happy with with that strike zone. And um, uh, it, just, it just is what it is, right? That's part of baseball sometimes. It's unfortunate, but it's whatever. But, I mean, Paul Skeens is good. Like, Paul Skeens doesn't need any more help. You know what I'm saying? Like, And that's kind of like Tennessee's mindset. And, you know, you can go back to that Christian Moore strike three call and all that. Um, it was a tight zone. And it was unfortunate. I didn't think the home plate umpire had a particularly good night uh, whatsoever. You know, the, the home plate umpire in game three of the Super Regional, man, he was calling strikes all over. Like, like that game was going to be over within two hours, right? A um, little bit different, but it wasn't a very good home plate umpire in my opinion. Uh, but Tennessee showed some fight. Tennessee battled back. Uh, Tennessee did not go into the dark getting shut out and having only three hits on the day. That eighth inning kind of sparked a little something. And, and again, I'm not trying to say moral victories or anything like that, but it was good to see Tennessee just not roll over, right? And so I think it would give them, gave them a little bit of momentum. And I think that's that's what uh, you know Jared Dickey told me after the game when I interviewed him. It's like it gives them a little bit of momentum, gives them some you know pep in the step. You don't go into practice on on Sunday afternoon, and then and then going into an elimination game on uh, on Monday against Stanford, and that's kind of where I want to talk about it now. Um, basically, what needs to happen for Tennessee to get out of this bracket, if you will, and advance on to the championship series for the College World Series, just like in regional setup, you lose the first game, you've got to win four. So Tennessee's got to play today and win. Tennessee's got to play the loser of Wake Forest or yeah, the loser of Wake Forest and um, LSU. Uh, if Tennessee were to win today, they would play the winner. They would play the loser of that game on Tuesday. Then you got to turn around and play the winner of that game on Wednesday. Then you got to turn around and beat them again on Thursday, potentially. So it, it's tough, right? I mean, you, you got the card stacked against you now. You're in a hole. But again, as I've said the entire time, Tennessee's got pitching to where you've got a fighting chance, you know, come out of the loser's bracket. You're deep enough with pitching. And I wasn't the biggest fan of how Tony Vitello and Frank Anderson did their pitching in game one. Um, Andrew Lindsay, I thought, got the early hook. I didn't think he was bad. I didn't think he was great, but I really didn't think he was bad. But, I mean, through three and two-thirds, he was up to 72 pitches, and the margin for error is so incredibly thin against Paul Skeens. I understand it. You go to Aaron Combs, who came on and got a huge strikeout. That's back-to-back weeks where he's come in being a bridge guy. And it's picked up a massive strikeout. And then you hand the ball to Seth Halverson at the beginning of the inning where he's much more effective and much better, in my opinion. And he goes an inning and two-thirds at 31 pitches. And at that point in time, you're losing four to nothing. And you're like, okay, 30 pitches for Halverson, who's one of your best relievers. Let's cap it. We'll lead you on, on Monday, potentially, which I had no problem with. Then you give it to Kirby. And then and you Kirby Canal, Cannon Sewell comes over, gives up a run. It's 5 nothing. He pitches an inning at, at 23 pitches. But then you have a little, little comeback. Like, you're sparking a little bit there in that eighth inning, and you're down two runs. You're still down. Don't get me wrong. But then you give the ball to Hollis Fanning, who was up, down, up, down, kind of like MLB the show, hot, warm, hot, warm. He's been warm forever. And so he comes in and, and wasn't great. And then you give it to A.J. Russell to finish off the game for you uh, before you come back to the plate and they get three outs and it's game over. So, again, you know, maybe I would have left Camden Sewell in there, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, to pitch that eighth inning. Uh, but he was at 23 pitches after just one inning. And, and again, uh, the big thing about it is Tennessee, outside of Andrew Lindsay, will have everybody available for Monday, which is huge. Uh, it's a must-win game. You're going to have to do whatever you can to beat Stanford and stay alive. And so, you know, who is Stanford? Well, Stanford came up short. They led 2-1 to one against Wake Forest. 
the majority of that first game on Saturday, and ultimately Wake Forest scored two runs in the eighth inning, came back and beat them three to two. Um, Wake Stanford's a pretty good ball club, forty four and eighteen on the season. Uh, they were the eighth overall seed. They hosted a regional and a super regional. <clears throat> they had to climb out of their regional after losing game two. They had to win three straight, and they did just that. They lost game one to Texas in the super regional. Had to win two straight, just like Tennessee and Southern Miss. So they're battle tested as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. Uh, my voice. Let me take a sip of this coffee. Oh yeah, a little bit better, at least for right now. <laughs> um, the guy you're going to be seeing <clears throat> is Lefty Quinn Matthews. Really good pitcher. He's their ace. He's got a, a ten and four record on the season, a three sixty ERA. And if you remember, he made headlines last weekend in Game Two, where he threw hundred and fifty six pitches and had ten er, had sixteen strikeouts against Texas in a must win game. Again, I, I got some criticism for this over the weekend and last week. It is what it is. That's malpractice, okay? That's not doing right by your kid. Uh, I get it. It's the it's it's super regional. I get it. It's postseason baseball. Pitch counts kind of go out the window. But at that point in time in the game, in the ninth inning, you had a five-run lead against Texas, and you're sending this guy back out there. Why not save him 20, 25 pitches? Like, what are you doing? Uh, there was no sense in him throwing 156 pitches. But, again, it is what it is. He will pitch against Tennessee today. Uh, really, really good pitcher. Again, 10 and 4, 360 ERA, coming off a career outing, 156 pitches. How fresh will he be? 16 strikeouts. I will say this he's a great strikeout pitcher. He's logged 123 in, 120 innings on the year, 152 strikeouts. But here's the kicker he's given up a ton of extra base hits. 43 extra base hits he's surrendered on the year. Good pitcher, but he's given up 29 doubles. So 43 extra base hits on the year. There's opportunity there for Tennessee. This lineup, again, it's a pretty nice lineup. 319 at the plate. That's ninth highest average in the uh in, in uh about say major league baseball and college baseball. They have the eighth best slugging percentage in college baseball. They have the 10th best or 10th highest home run total at 117. They scored 529 runs. That's 10th best. Really solid lineup. Third baseman Tommy Troy, uh, really one of one of several talented hitters. Uh, he had a, a multi-hit day against uh, Wake Forest in, in game one. He's got 397 batting average. Cleanup hitter Alberto Rios leads the team with 18 home runs. He's second with 71 RBI. You got Braden Montgomery, who's the D8, 17 home runs, 60 RBI. Malcolm Moore, who's the catcher, 15 home runs, 63 RBI. First baseman Graham Carter, 15 home runs, 77 RBI. Those RBIs lead the team there. Drew Bowser, second baseman, 14 home runs, 48 RBI. Um, really, really talented lineup up and down. So Tennessee is going to get challenged. Tennessee is going to get challenged by Stanford, who, like them, have had their bats against the wall a couple times, have had this win to survive and advance on. The winner today will take on, uh, again, will take on the uh, loser of Wake Forest and LSU, and that will come up on Tuesday. If you lose, you're done. So uh, we will see. Hopefully this will be an extended stay in Omaha, and um, – Hopefully, Tennessee will uh, find a way to win. Uh, no reason not to believe in the volunteers with that pitching that they have. That is for sure. But that is an update here from Omaha for the College World Series. Guys, as always, I appreciate you. Couldn't do this show without you. Every day or as you guys are the best. Shoot me in those Twitter Tuesday questions um, early in the day because I'll need to record some of it before the game and then and then finish it after the game. And depending on you know win or lose, depends on what I'm doing the next day. So earlier the better for those Twitter Tuesday questions. Can't thank you enough. Appreciate you as always. If you're here in Omaha, find me, yell at me, holler at me. I'd love to buy you a beer, and uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. This is Locked On Balls.
Allison, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.